Good evening. I think we still have a couple more classes that are on their way. We'll go ahead and get started. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Welcome. What a beautiful day, right? It's beautiful, beautiful. Our preacher for this evening is Reverend Sherry Palmer. She's the pastor at Golden Church of the Nazarene in Golden, Colorado. And she's here with her husband. Would you please welcome her? Welcome them. Thank you. We're here trusting in the Lord with all our hearts. And we serve a great God, amen? And he's a God who's almighty and he's faithful. Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust. Amen. Let us stand as we Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening. It's good to be with you guys this evening. We uh, moved to Colorado about a year and a half ago, and it's our first trip to Colorado Springs, so it was a nice reason to come this way. I don't know if you have one of these on you. I'm not going to do a lot of chit-chat because I know I don't have tons of time. But um, if you have your Bible, would you take it out and turn it, turn it to 2 Timothy? We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 this evening. I'll give you just a second to get there. <clears throat> I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. When you heard from me, what you heard from me keep is the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You can catch the roadrunner. 
That was the name of the speech I wrote when I was a junior in high school. And after many years of practicing and going to the gym every week and listening to motivational music and doing my ball handling skills, I finally had to realize that all of my attempts to be a good athlete lacked one thing, talent. <laughs> and so I decided to go and do speech and debate during that hour of school that I had to do something. And of course, you know, all the cool kids do speech and debate, am I right? <laughs> So I went into speech and debate, and that first year, my junior year in high school, I, I wrote this motivational speech called You Can Catch the Roadrunner. And in case you haven't picked up on it yet, it was about that pesky roadrunner and that persistent, determined coyote that always ended up falling off a cliff or getting blown up by acne, acne, acne dynamite. And of course, if you have a positive attitude, you can catch him. And I went to competition after competition with that speech, and I practiced my marks faithfully, and I knew exactly where to stand when I said this sentence, and I knew to move here and face lightly toward the judges when I said this sentence. And my teacher started to say, you know, Sherry, you've really got something here. This is a good speech. I think you can take state with this speech. And my, my family began to say, you know, Sherry, you've really got something here. This is a good speech. I think you can take state with this speech. And so I went to state. And I'll never forget making it through all those elimination rounds. And there I sit in that big auditorium, my parents on one side, my friends on the other, my coach, my speech teacher in the back. And as I sat there listening to them giving out medals in the oratory category, that's what it was called, I, I heard fourth place goes to. And it wasn't my name. I heard third place goes to, and it wasn't my name. Second place, the winner is, and it still wasn't my name. And I sat in that moment, in that auditorium, and I thought to myself, they are going to crown me the best orator in the state of Oklahoma, in the high school division. <laughs> and they said, first place goes to, and it wasn't my name. And you know, I know, looking back on it, it's no big deal. I mean, isn't the world so small in high school? We somehow convince ourselves that this person we are is who we're always going to be. But at that time, I had put my heart and soul into it. I had invested in it. I had had affirmation in that. And at that time, it was very devastating to me. And so my parents went home, they, they drove home, and we rode on the bus, because back then there was enough money in the budget to even give the speech team a bus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we rode home on the bus, and I got home like at 2 in the morning. And like my 4-year-old does, or my 7-year-old does today, I climbed, I went to my parents' room, and I climbed right in between them in their king-size bed. And I kept them up till 4 or 5 in the morning just crying, and talking, and crying, and talking. A 16-year-old with a low self-esteem trying to figure out who I was. It was hard. 
About two weeks later, I'm kneeling at my bunk bed in my bedroom, not even really thinking about that loss. And in the middle of my prayer, I haven't heard his voice this clearly since. He comes to me and he says, Sherry, you know how you feel when you talk? You know how you feel when you write that? You know the affirmation you felt from people that, that that's a gift? You know, I want to use that for me. And in the middle of that pain and that frustration and that I don't understand, God came to me and he put his hand on my life. And he said, this was never for you. It is for me. Do you remember when God called you? Do you remember where you were? Do you remember the sound of his voice? Do you remember the kind of shape your life was in? Do you remember your response? I can tell you what mine was as a 16-year-old girl. I said, do women do that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm cool and everything, but I, I do. <laughs> Did you clear this with somebody? Because I, I don't know about this. In this letter, Paul writes to Timothy, he can see the guillotine, if you will, from where he's sitting in prison. And he writes this last letter, and he says in the second verse, to my dear son, Timothy. Timothy had been mentored by Paul. Timothy had been a co-worker of Paul. Timothy had been a missionary friend of Paul. Timothy had been sent on some of the toughest assignments and Paul writes this letter to him to remind him of what he's called to be. To remind him of who he is. And to remind him of where he came from. And tonight, as we look at this letter, I would like to share just three things with you. And the first one is, remember your heritage. When you look at this passage and you look at verse 5, and he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And Paul had been responsible for the conversion of the grandmother. Paul had been responsible for the conversion of the mother. And now he says, Timothy, that is in you too. Do not forget your heritage. Do not forget whose shoulders you stand on today. And I know, I'm assuming probably finals week is close by, right? So, am I right? Yeah, or is it just all a blur? You just, <laughs> I can't wait to see my wife and kids again. <laughs> or my husband and kids again. Let me be gender inclusive here. Um, as a woman, I guess I should do that. Um, so you're going heritage, whatever. Remember where you came from. Remember your mother. Remember your grandmother. Remember that person that invested in you. Remember that pastor that sat with you when you said, I think I'm hearing something from God, but I'm not quite sure. And he pushed you over the edge. <laughs> and don't you want to just go up and thank him now? Oh, gee, man, thanks. Thanks for doing that. 
Remember the people who have believed in you. Remember the people who have loved you. And you may be sitting here today and you may be going, you know what, I'm the first Christian in my family. I don't know if I have a heritage. Or I'm the first person in my family to go to college. I'm not sure if I have any kind of ancestry that I can stand on today. Well, then remember the person who first invited you to church. Or the person that said, we're having this meeting at the coffee house. Would you come with me? We have a heritage. And Paul is saying to Timothy, this pastor, this young pastor trying to find his way, I remember your grandmother Lois, and I remember your mother Eunice, and I remember you when you were just a little tyke, and I've seen the way God has worked in your life, and do not forget your heritage. When I was in college, I struggled in many classes, and particularly Greek. And I don't think I should say any more, right? I mean, Greek. And it was really hard for me, and I struggled consistently. And my dad got into the habit of sending me just, just a little piece of cardstock that he had printed on the computer. And I'd get it every so often in my mailbox at school. It simply said, we love you, we believe in you, we're praying for you. We have a heritage. Paul tells Timothy something else. He says, remember your gift. And I love exactly how he says it. He says it in verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flame the gift of of God. You know what that laying on of hands is? Paul ordained Timothy. Paul was there when they said, we give you our seal of approval. Someday some of you, maybe not all of you, will stand in an auditorium full of people. You want to talk about that heritage? you'll see people out in that crowd that were there with you during those difficult times. And you'll stand in front of those people and this big person with lots of power called the general superintendent, he will come up and he will hand you a certificate and he will say, preach the word. Do the work of the Lord. And then... You know, it strikes me that I always wear very uncomfortable shoes to ordination services. And you would think that I would learn. I, I've got to get some more comfortable shoes to wear to ordination services. Because we know what happens next, right? Have you been to one? You want a heritage? All those elders, all those people who have slaved, all those people who have studied, all those people who have been desperate, and tired and wondered if they could make it, all of those people come and they gather around you. And that big powerful man called the general superintendent, he lays his hands on you. And he prays over you. But it's not just him praying over you. It's the person behind him and the person behind her and the person behind him and the person behind her. And everybody on that stage is laying their hands on you. And they are commissioning you Preach the word. Do the work of the Lord. 
And what they are saying is we believe in you. We have a heritage. Remember your heritage. And remember the gift that God gave you. Fan it into flame, he says. Let a raging fire burn. As you sit here tonight and you're thinking, I've got, I've got so much to do, I just won't ever get it done. Remember the gift that he gave you. And he tells Timothy one more thing. He says, remember your calling. Verses 8 and 9. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because anything, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Can I just tell you something? Can I just be real vulnerable to you and maybe you won't tell anybody? This church is my first senior pastorate. I, my husband and I have been associates for, for years and I had a great senior pastor that I worked under that kicked me out of the nest. And yes, I have thanked him many times. And there is not a day that I don't pray that verse in James chapter 1 where it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, come to God and he'll give it to you without judgment, basically. Man, I can't do this. I'm so completely inadequate to do this. I'm so completely inadequate to answer those tough questions. I'm so completely inadequate to preach. I can't do this. And Paul, in 1 Timothy verse 15, he says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And again, I think, I know people say Paul's arrogant, blah, blah, all this stuff. Again, I think we see his humility when he says, it's not because of anything we did, but it's according to his purpose and his grace. You cannot do this. If that's what you're struggling with, put it down, because we cannot do what he has called us to do, but he has not called us to do it. He has called us according to his purpose and according to his grace and according to his power. Remember, fan into flame the gift of God. So let me encourage you to stop trying. Let me encourage you to remember your heritage. Let me encourage you to remember your gift. And let me encourage you to remember your calling. I'd like to share something with you out of this devotional book, Jesus Calling. You may be, very, you may be familiar with it. Let me just read this to you in closing. <clears throat> You are on the right path. Listen more to me and less to your doubts. I am leading you along the way I designed just for you. 
Therefore, it is a lonely way, humanly speaking. But I go before you as well as alongside you. So you are never alone. Do not expect anyone to understand fully my ways with you any more than you can co comprehend my dealings with others. I am revealing to you the path of life day by day and moment by moment. As I said to my disciple Peter, so I repeat to you, follow God, you know every heart here. You know every situation. You know every burden. You know every discouragement. You know every voice that we hear in our heads that tell us that it's too hard. God, would you just renew us tonight? Would you give an extra measure of strength where that, that is needed to, to make it through this semester? Would you, would you provide affirmation, Lord? Would you give friendship? God, would you remind us of all of those people that hold us up? All of those people, that heritage that you gave us. God, I just pray over these students tonight. As they go, I, I pray that you would bless them with wisdom and discernment. I pray that you would bless them with clarity of thought. I, I pray that you would bless them with energy to do the task that is before them. And that in doing so, you would remind them that your power is at work within them. We thank you so much, Jesus, because you have called us. In Jesus' name.